Hey everybody, Dan Howard here at Gunnison St. Joe's with the February edition of the GSTJ podcast. Today we have uh, Hannah Robicheski, our registered dietitian here, talking with us about my favorite topic, which is food. Here we go. We take it off. Welcome back. Uh, joining me on this month's edition is our amazing dietitian, Hannah Robicheski. How, Hannah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I got to say, I am uh, I feel like the weather's getting a lot better. We had that cold snap, but today is like, it's almost in the 40s today. So looking pretty good. Yeah, I switched to my spring jacket. I've been very happy. <laughs> I, got, I got to my spring cover here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, I have to say, when I when I first came up with this idea of the podcast, uh, you were one of the first people to have on my list because, because you're super knowledgeable. And before, literally, like a couple of weeks before COVID landed in this community, we had these like cooking classes, which were awesome. And I can't wait to get back to doing that again. Um, oh, me too. I love them so much. Like it's a fun way to get to know like some of the people I work with, some of the people in the community, and like it's just fun to cook. Yeah, we did. Like, what was what was the thing that you did on the last one? It was like um, or something. We did cauliflower crust pizza and a strawberry spinach salad, and people really liked it. There we go. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Like, I'm hoping once the vaccines start rolling out and we start seeing those numbers come down, hopefully we can uh, we can get back to doing those kind of fun things. So we're going to talk about nutrition and food in a second, but. Can you explain what it is that you do here at St. Joe's? Like, what does a registered dietitian nutritionist do at St. Joe's? Mm -hmm. So I cover, um, I'm the only dietitian in this hospital, so I do both inpatient and outpatient nutrition counseling. So I'll see patients in the hospital if they have um, nutrition needs, like if they have malnutrition or diabetes or something, but I also see patients patients on the um, outpatient side. So people will come see me in the clinic with nutrition questions. If they have things in their diet, they're trying to work out. If they have some kind of diagnosis that affects their eating. Um, I see a lot of weight loss patients for that as well. Um, and then I just kind of do a lot of projects around the hospital. I can give second opinions for things in the kitchen or help try to figure out nutrient analysis. So basically anything nutrition related, it's kind of hard to pin it down. Yeah. It's really good to have someone like you, uh, in this hospital with your talents, because, you know, like you say, you can, you, you can kind of give your that advice to all these different areas of mm -hmm. the hospital, which is pretty neat. Um, yeah. so I'm here, you know, we're here at the end of February and I feel like the last couple of months, uh, I feel like I've seen a lot of weight loss commercials, dieting ads, blogs saying, you know, don't eat this, don't eat that. And, you know, it's mainly on it's mainly on social media. And, you know, I accept cookies, so I don't know if they're trying to tell me something. <laughs> I accept both types of cookies, but I don't know if they're trying to tell me something. Um, but, you know, with all of this stuff, it feels it feels overwhelming at times. And sometimes it's like it's hard to trust who's right and who's wrong. Like, can you can you debunk some of the biggest myths when it comes to nutrition? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because um, it's something we get a lot of questions on. Um, 
And I can't fault people for it. Like it's, I'm glad that they're out there looking for nutrition advice. I'm glad that they're researching and that they're interested in nutrition. Um, and really it is popular this time of year with January being that month where we all set our goals for the year. Um, diet and exercise are really big ones for a lot of people. So you know I'm going to talk about the keto diet. That's the most popular thing I hear about right now. Um, and it's it's the biggest fad diet right now. Um, so I think the myth around it is just that we talk about like carbohydrates as one of our sources of energy for our body. And the myth around it is that it's bad for us, that we need to avoid it. Um, and I think it's kind of dangerous to lump any type of food into one category as good or bad. Um, there's a lot of areas in our diet for balance. And carbohydrates are not bad for you. They are our body's preferred source of energy. Where it becomes an issue is when we eat too many of them or when we eat the wrong sources of them. So I think the real issue is that um, we're not eating what are called complex carbohydrates. So we're eating sources of carbohydrates that are not providing any nutrients for us where we could be eating sources that do provide nutrients. So exam examples of that would be like... Um, eating like desserts, baked goods, white or processed grains, you know, you're getting sources of energy from those like calories through your carbs, but you're not really getting a lot of nutrients with it. So I tell people look for more what we call complex carbohydrates. So things like fruits, vegetables, um, whole grains, those do have carbohydrates and energy in them, but they also provide us with a lot of other things like fiber, um, vitamins and minerals, um, things that can also fill us up and provide us other things in our diet. So no, carbs are not bad for you. It's dangerous to lump them into one group and think this is something I need to avoid if I want to be healthy um, or have a healthy weight. Another really popular thing I get is that you have to eat a vegan diet if you want to lose weight and be healthy. And um, there is some truth to eating plants and increasing the plants that we eat in our diets. I mean, I think if you're using vegan recipes because you want to eat more fruits and vegetables and you want more creative ideas to do that, that's fantastic. And of course, I'm talking about if you're choosing a vegan diet for weight loss or healthy eating. I'm not talking about if you're choosing it for um, other personal reasons. This is just if you're trying to cut out all meat and um, animal products in your diet in an effort to lose weight. So a vegan diet can give you a lot of creative ideas. Um, and that's what I appreciate about it. You know, I use vegan recipes for things that I'm trying to think, how do I add more fruits and vegetables to this food that I normally eat? Um, because we could all benefit from that. But do you need to eat a strictly vegan diet outside of personal reasons? No. Um, so those are the two biggest ones that I get questions on. It's nice to just talk about it on the podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, the, I, I see a lot of um, plant-based foods now. And it, what it, what is that about? Just like going on what you were saying, I see, like I say, I see a lot of plant-based, everything's almost plant-based now. What's, what's the deal with that? Yeah, I think that's um, in an effort, like I said, to just add more fruits and vegetables to your diet. Sometimes it, you know, there's two different ways you can incorporate fruits and vegetables. You can either add them to your diet when you didn't have them before, or you can use them to replace something else. So when you see things that are plant-based, they're usually just replacing some other part of your diet. So, um, like for example, if you're trying to do like a meatless Monday and you choose something like tofu, um, or like chickpeas, you know, you're still trying to get like protein in, but you're trying to get your protein from like a plant source. So it's just a 
creative way of adding vegetables to your diet. Um, and for the most part, I mean, most people do eat the protein that they need. Um, most people are not deficient in that. So if you are replacing your protein with some kind of vegetable, you're probably not getting vegetables in your diet to the level that you're getting protein. So it's a good idea. Um, it's not necessarily something you need to do every day, but it's, it's nice. So one of the things that I, I used to be really bad at, and I'm sure there's some folks out there that are like this too, um, is that I used to skip breakfast a lot. And I have to say, particularly over the winter months, it's really tempting to skip breakfast with the thought of having like an extra half hour in bed. Um, do you have any tips to make breakfast easier and healthier? That is a great question. Um, I think there's like this misconception that if you eat less times in a day, you eat less in general. And I think, you know, getting breakfast in, be it within the first few hours of waking up um, and just kind of following what's natural for your body, it's a good way to set you up for fullness, satiety, eating regularly throughout the day. Um, if you're skipping breakfast, you're very likely to overeat at a meal later in the day. You kind of lose that self-control and accountability for your eating habits. I mean, I'm like that. If I skip a meal, I'm, I don't care what I eat the next meal. I'm just going to eat whatever's available. So getting that meal in is going to help you make better decisions. But you do bring up another good question on what makes a good breakfast. And it could be any array of things. But I always say try to get something that is sustainable, like that helps you stay for at least a couple hours. You don't want it to be something that's like cereal or like white bread where it's just kind of like throwing paper into a fire. You know, you burn it up and it's gone and you're hungry again. So I always say get something with protein or kind of like I talked about before that complex carbohydrate in there because those things have fiber. The protein helps keep you full. Um, examples of that could be like eggs, yogurt. Um, you could do like toast, do maybe some peanut butter on it. Just something that's going to keep you full for a while. So uh, we put out some requests for questions on Facebook, and uh, we got a couple in. The first one is, how do you know what oil you are supposed to use and for what? Really, there's a piece of research that goes behind it. Um, you can use many different types of oils for many different types of things, and there's not always a really good rule of thumb. As a dietitian, I'm just going to have to slip in there that I do think it's better to choose what we call unsaturated fats over what are called saturated fats. Um, saturated fats are fats that we eat that have a negative um, effect on our health, on our bodies. So if you can find sources of unsaturated fats when you're cooking versus saturated, and examples of saturated would be like things that are solid at room temperature, like butter or lard or like bacon fat. I always say choose that unsaturated, which is usually oils at room temperature. Um, so getting that out there and trying to choose that unsaturated. From there, it's kind of choosing what oil is most appropriate for what you're doing. And like I said, there's not a really good rule of thumb, but usually what I'll tell people is like if you're doing like a moderate heat cooking, like sauteing or baking, you can usually use like darker oils like olive oil or avocado oil. Um, but if you're using something that's more high heat, like over 375, like frying, um, I usually say try to choose those lighter colored oils. Um, and the reason I say that is just the color kind of correlates with what we call smoke point. Um, different oils have different smoke points, and smoke point is the point where an oil gets so hot that it turns almost acidic and really bitter. 
And we don't want that if you're searching for palatability in your dishes. So just slight rule of thumb, choose those darker oils for lower temperatures, lighter oils for higher temperatures. That's some really good tips. I, I, I didn't think about fats at room temperature being solid. You know, the bad ones being, well, not the bad ones, but the saturated ones being solid. And then the good ones being liquid, but that kind of makes more sense to me now. <laughs> <laughs> so we have another question here. Uh, how do you, this, this, I think, is the million dollar question for everybody that is a parent. Uh, how do you make meals that my kids like to eat, such as tacos, spaghetti, and pizza? How do you make them healthier? That is very much a loaded question. <laughs> I am not a parent myself, so I can say all that I want, but um, I have not experienced this myself. Um, <clears throat> I'll get to some specific examples, but overall, like setting an example for your kids <clears throat> is the best way to get them interested in nutrition. Um, using positive language around your food will get them engaged. Um, I always tell parents, like, be really cautious of telling them what what's a bad food and what's a good food. When we use that language, it can kind of warp their perception of what they should or shouldn't eat. So anytime you are talking about food with your kids, just be positive about it. Show them why you're excited and get them involved in cooking because if if you're excited about it, they're excited about it. And like I said before, set a good example. If you're eating what you consider healthy foods, if you're eating things that are good for you and talking about how they're good for you, your kid's going to be more likely to do that. Maybe not the first few hundred times you've tried it, but eventually they'll be inspired to try it. So, um, you know, I always say, like, making sure that you have good snacks around are a really big key piece for kids because they don't always eat as well as they can at meals. And we don't encourage that you tell kids to clean their plates. We want them to follow, like, natural hunger cues. But when they do that, they end up being hungry later. And so having healthy snacks available is always really good. Um, it could be just simple vegetables and hummus. It could be an apple with peanut butter. Have those things between meals to make sure that they're um, staying on track with their fruit and vegetable intake. Um, outside of that, when you're talking about like dishes like pizza or spaghetti, I always say like try to pick like a healthier grain. So if your kid is eating spaghetti, try to throw in like maybe some whole wheat noodles, like mixing them in with regular white noodles that they're used to. Um, try to have really good sides with your meals, like vegetables um, that you've roasted or some kind of vegetable with a dip. That's always a really good option. And then watch out for beverages because those are areas for really a lot of excess calories for kids. So try to stay away from juices. Try to stay away from soda. Um, I know kids that drink like iced coffees, like try to have just like water and milk at meals. Um, but yeah, overall, just like setting a good example for your kid and having positive language around food opens the door to change for them. So we got another question here. What is the best eating style to manage cholesterol? I heard a low-carb diet uh, is good, but that seems odd with all of the meat and cheese in this plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't recommend meat and cheese if you're trying to manage your cholesterol. So usually when someone comes to me for cholesterol management, um, we try to switch them off a lot of those unhealthy fats I mentioned before, that's what's going to give you those um, cholesterol values you're not wanting. Um, healthy fats, like I mentioned before, are usually those 
fats that are not solid at room temperature with some exceptions like um, avocado, um, nuts, fish, those all have healthy fats in them, but they're technically solid at room temperature foods. Um, I just say the biggest thing is like cut out the fried foods, um, and cut out a lot of those solid fats. Like don't, don't reach for bacon, try to get the skin off the meats that you're eating. Um, and if you are going to have some type of meat, usually pick like broiled or baked, something that's not fried. Um, and if you have other areas of your diet, like dairy, milk, cheese, or desserts, try to choose low-fat options of those just to cut out some of those unhealthy fats. And by switching to healthy fats, um, you lower the negative cholesterol levels that we're looking for, and you actually do raise some healthy cholesterol levels that we're looking for. Some really good tips there. So um, we kind of talked, touched on a few of these, but what are your top What are your top? Uh, tips, your really easy things that people can uh, do right now. If someone came to you and was like, how can I immediately change my nutrition? What's what's the first tips and tricks that come to mind? I think the way that you think about your diet affects the way that you carry it out. So if you focus on the positives rather than the negatives, you're going to be more successful. So what I mean by that is like, focus on something positive, like, okay, what can I add to my diet? What can I look for that's healthy that I'm actually excited about? Rather than saying, what's the bad thing that I'm trying to stay away? Or what what shouldn't I have a lot of? Um, that just sets you up for success when you start making little changes in your own diet. Um, but really, like, the biggest thing is just, like, set yourself up for success. And there's multiple ways to do that. Some people do meal planning if they know they're going to be busy. Some people just buy things that are already made and ready to go. Um, you know, some people say it's expensive to do things like that. But if you're investing in your health, it's worth it at some point. Um, so some examples that I do, I always have some type of, like, fruit or a vegetable, something I'm excited about that's in season um, that I like to have ready to go, like in my fridge. <laughs> so food is like a really big coping mechanism in a lot of areas of our lives. And I find that for myself as well. So if I'm like finding myself constantly going to the fridge and just opening the door, I'm not really hungry. I'm usually just like looking for something to like validate me or make me feel better. And so I always have like something going like right now I have strawberries that I cut up and washed and like they're already ready to go. And I have them in a bowl sitting in my fridge because when I open the fridge at eye level right there, I have a good decision to make rather than what I would normally do is like walk to the fridge, open it up and then look for anything that's readily available. It could be like cookies or cakes or something, but um, setting yourself up for success and finding like areas where you flock to when you're looking for comfort, um, setting yourself up by having those things ready to go helps you make better decisions. Um, I also eat like three times a day. I never skip a meal. I mentioned this before, when you don't eat regularly, you lose the ability to make better decisions later. And for good reason, if you're hungry, you should eat. But it makes it easier for you to choose better things or say no to certain things if you've eaten regularly and you're not absolutely starving. So don't skip meals. If you have to plan ahead, do that. Um, and then types of foods that I'll eat over and over again, I'll figure out ways to make it easier to continue making those. So like every morning for breakfast, I have a smoothie with 
like fruits and vegetables in it and I'll actually like bag the individual things that I put in that smoothie and like put it in the fridge or the freezer so that in the morning all I have to do is like dump the bag into the blender with like some water or juice and just like blend it so make things easy for yourself by tracking what you do well and then just try to make that more efficient for yourself I really, I really like the tip about putting healthy stuff at eye level in the fridge, but I really like the fact that I'm not the only one that goes to the refrigerator and stares longingly into it. <laughs> it makes me feel good knowing you do that too. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I just am honest with myself about it, and I'm like, what can I, what can I do to fix this? I just, I can't imagine like all of the fruits and vegetables in my fridge, like, like the light comes on and they're all like, oh, what does he want now? Like he just opened it like five seconds ago. Like what's wrong with him? Um, so I, I have a question and um, th- this is, this is, this is, this is my own question, but I've, I've been seeing this a lot. Mm-hmm. What is the deal with cauliflower? It's everywhere. They're putting it in bread. They're putting it in pizza pasta i saw at the grocery store just this week they have like a mac and cheese made out of cauliflower it's turning into like the dwayne the rock johnson of the vegetable world it's in everything what why why is why is cauliflower having this renaissance right now i'll say cauliflower is a vegetable it's good for you but it's not necessarily like this fix-all um that being said, I mean, it usually, it can be, like, blended and drained to the point that it almost mimics, like, flour in certain places or rice. And so cauliflower is a good replacement for things that are usually empty calories, like a pizza crust or rice, um, you know, or the flour that would you, you would use to make, like, noodles or something. It's a good replacement because... It provides nutrients, and it's usually taking up the space that other non-nutrient foods would. Um, and so it's it's a good replacement. It's a good way to creatively add more vegetables to your diet. But I don't think it's like a fix-all. Um, you know, it's really popular right now, but it's it should always be popular because it's a vegetable. It should be just as popular as any other vegetable. But um, if, it, if you like it and it doesn't bother you, I think go for it. My first introduction to it was when the wife did um, t- some tater tots. She did like this tater tot casserole. Um, but the tater tots were made out of cauliflower. And I was like, how could, how, like, I've got, I, I've got Irish blood in me and like, we, we, we can smell a potato from a very long distance. Uh, but this thing like completely took me by surprise. So, um, uh, one last question before we uh, cut to the break. Are you a gadget geek? And do you have a favorite gadget? I'm not, I'm not the most geeky gadget person, but I do have my things. Um, I did, okay, so I did have, like, a regular blender for, like, 10 years, I think, and I finally last year bought a Vitamix, and, like, I love it so much. Like, I'll make salad dressings with it, I just, it's, I'll make really good smoothies out of it, I'll make, like, banana ice cream, I mean, that thing can do so much, it's like a mini, I I don't know, it just does so many things. Um... And then another thing I have, I was, like, afraid to bring this up because 
you definitely are the tea person. Um, you're from the UK, so like, don't don't yell at me. But I like loose leaf tea. Yep. And I have a little tea steeper that um, you like pour boiling water into it with the tea leaves, and then you can like set it on top of your teacup, and it drains like right into the cup. I think it's just so cool to watch. <laughs> yep. Yep. I have two of those, and um, yeah, it's loose leaf tea. <clears throat> you know, there's there's those people that are like. I like tea, but then there's those like tea connoisseurs that are like, they've got like a whole apothecary of like tea leaves and they're blending, they're making their own blends and stuff. I love that kind of stuff. Actually, I was going to talk about um, gadgets and this is not, this is not a pitch. This is not QVC or anything like that, but I got this cool thing called a blend jet. Um, oh, I've seen those. Yeah, it's, it's USB chargeable and I put a, I put a shake in it and this thing just like, Charge it just like blends. It's it's pretty cool. And um, again, this is not QVC, but this is another cool thing. Um, this this is this is something that everybody should get. This is a mini crock pot. And, I love uh, that. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm a I'm a big tech geek, uh, gadget geek. Mm -hmm. um, but these two things have actually made a big difference in my <laughs> nutrition. Um, we're gonna take a quick uh, break, and then when we come back. We're gonna play a little game with Hannah. Do yourself a favor, use the MyChart app. It's perfect for managing your family's appointments, getting answers to questions, finding immunization records, and so much more. Care at your fingertips for the whole family. Download the app. Hey, welcome back. Uh, now, before the break, uh, we had uh, Hannah Robicheski, who's our registered dietitian nutritionist, here talking about food and nutrition and gadgets and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I thought I'd play a little game, uh, because while I was, uh, researching for this podcast, um, yeah, I, I know it's, I know it's hard to think that I research for these things, but I, I did actually do some research for this one. Um, I actually came across a list of the most popular kitchen gadgets and also the ones that are considered completely unnecessary. Um, so I'm going to bring up these, uh, gadgets and I'm going to see if uh, Hannah can tell what they are. So the first gadget that we have here is this thing. Hannah, take a guess. What do you think it is? Mm. Is, it, is it one of those things that you use to like drain your can of tuna? It is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tuna can strainer. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you can also use it for, like, cat food as well, because I don't know if, you know, they're, they're almost the same size of cat. Um, Why would you drain your cat food? I don't Do you know. drink I, cat food? I don't know. My cat had, like, really runny cat food at one point. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm trying to sell this product so that it's not just a one-hit wonder. So, yeah, it's a tuna, a tuna can strainer. All right, next. What are these? Oh, you know what? I feel like I've seen these before. I could definitely use them. Um, they're like if you're eating ribs and you don't want to get your fingers dirty. <laughs> as, if, as if you know that. Yes. They, these, <laughs> I don't know how I would know that. <laughs> these things are called trongs, and they uh, they protect your fingers from the greasy barbecue uh, juice from uh, chicken wings. Yeah, who'd have thought you'd have needed it? All right, next one. That is so useful. 
Oh, that looks like something surgical. It doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's because we're in a hospital. But oh man, I I got I don't know. I uh, can't even guess. I'm I'm gonna give you a clue. This thing is a big dill. A big dill. So it has something to do with herbs. It does it like pickle picker. <laughs> It's a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> That's, that is creative. I just use a fork. I'm not a lazy person. <laughs> okay, nice. next one. Now this thing looks like uh, like a character from a Pixar movie. Or like a torture device. Yeah. <laughs> it cuts something. It does. It does. How did you find these types of things? What even does that do? I feel like these are all like one purpose, like one very, I, uh, I don't know. Much. This is a garlic chopper. Uh, it's a zoom garlic chopper. So I think you put the garlic in the top and then you roll this thing and it's got some blades inside and some, some widgets in it, like cuts up this pretty neat. All right, next. <laughs> Well, that cleans something. Is that like a potato cleaner? Vegetable cleaner? It's 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 a vegetable cleaner, but it's a very specific vegetable. Uh, potato? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a corn silk remover. <laughs> that is so useful. Oh, my gosh. We used to, like, freeze corn. Like, we would grow our own corn and, like, freeze it. And, like, every year the kids would have to go through and, like, pull those little hairs out. I would have loved that. Yep. So it removes the silk, but over here they've got some kind of, I think that's a cucumber or a very long zucchini that they're doing something with. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a very interesting device. All right. <laughs> last one. Oh, oh, I know what this is. Of okay. course you do. Ziploc baggie in it so you can fill it with something. Yep, it's a Ziploc bag holder. It's so useful. Because <laughs> really, unless you have someone else in the kitchen there, like, how do you, like, you know, pour it in there? <laughs> you just look dumb. And this, this thing right here, I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, adjustable for different, different depths of bags. It's, wow. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if this is a suction cup on the bottom, but uh, that would be totally useful if it had something like that. So, uh, they, have, they have thought of everything. Haven't they? Like I said, when I was doing research for this podcast, my eyes were open with, uh, with this uh, research that I did. So, uh, so, yeah, now everyone's shares of Ziploc bag holders and garlic zoom choppers are going to go through the roof now. Mm -hmm. We should go out and buy those shares. Um, Hannah, thanks very much for hanging with us uh, on this month's podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, if you guys got any questions about anything you've heard or seen uh, on this podcast, uh, please drop them in the comments below, and we'll be right back after this break. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you. Tired of waiting by the phone for test results? Get the MyChart app for real-time test results, including labs, imaging studies, COVID testing, and more. Care at your fingertips. Download the app. Hey, welcome back. Um, so we have a few updates from Gunston St. Joe's. Uh, firstly, uh, this time of the year is a really good time to test for radon. Um, radon is a colorless, odorless gas, 
uh, that occurs naturally in the soil and tends to build up in houses during the winter. Um, the best way to find out if you have a radon issue uh, is to conduct a very simple radon test. And we have these kits free of charge at Gunnison St. Joe's. You can come over here and pick them up at the front desk. Um, the shipping is included, the instructions are included. It's a test that basically takes about 48 hours. Um, you put it in the mail or you send it in and then they give you uh, the results. Our next blood drive is uh, scheduled for March 4th here at Gunderson St. Joe's. It'll take place between 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. There's still opportunity to sign up and you can click the link uh, included in this podcast uh, to sign up online. We are still in the process of vaccinating patients against COVID-19. Um, the best way to stay up to date uh, on this situation is to download the MyChart app. That is going to be the primary method that Gunderson Health System is going to use to notify patients of their eligibility for the vaccination. And finally, uh, our staff here at Gunderson St. Joe's have partnered with Hillsborough uh, Library uh, to do a virtual story time. And um, if you have kids or if you're a big kid and you love stories, um, please check out their Facebook page and take a look at the videos. This is just one of the ways that we wanted to give back to the community and to share these stories, uh, encourage reading uh, to children, and to thank you all for uh, your support during uh, this pandemic. Um, so yeah, check out those videos. Um, that's all from me for this month's edition of the Gunnison St. Joe's podcast. Until next time, take care. We're taking off. Let's lose control.